Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary PSL. Please join our lead pastor, Mike Williams, for the message, A Joyful Union. All right, so when Peter wrote this letter to the Christian community, he talked about suffering a lot. Today, his topic is marriage. Suffering, marriage. <laughs> I wonder if Peter thought there might be a connection here. Because if we're all honest, and that's what I really want us to do the next 40 uh, minutes or so, I want us to be dead level honest in our hearts before the Lord. If we're all honest, those of us who are married, we all would have to admit that marriage can sometimes be difficult. That led somebody to say, and I quote, there are three rings in marriage. The engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering, okay? And so just remember that as we try to be realistic about this subject. By the way, did you guys hear about the couple that went to Israel on vacation? And so this guy took his nagging wife to Israel, and this lady was so negative, constantly critical, you know, just griping and complaining all the time. Well, tragically, while they were in Jerusalem, she fell over and died. So the husband got on the phone, he called the funeral director, and the funeral director said, sir, I am so sorry for your loss, here are your options. You can ship your wife's body back to the States. Uh, we'll cover all the costs, but it's gonna be $5,000 for you, but we'll take care of all the arrangements. Or you can bury your wife here in Jerusalem for just $500. The husband thought about it for a while. He said, let's ship her back to the States. The funeral director said, well, with all due respect, why? Why would you ship your wife back to the States for $5,000 when you can bury her here in Jerusalem for just $500? The husband said to the funeral director, sir, a long time ago, a man died here, and he was buried here, and he rose again from the dead here. <laughs> and there is no way I'm gonna take that chance. There's difficulty in marriage. Did you guys know the Bible says that? Check out what Paul said. Those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you of this. Now you will never see that verse on a wedding program, right? <laughs> it's still the word of God. It's still true, why? Because there are no perfect Marriages, that's why. And people who have these super high expectations about their marriage, like unrealistic expectations, like way up here, right? By the way, we're not in heaven yet. We still live on earth. But people who have these high expectations, these unrealistic expectations, they freak out when things start to go wrong. They tend to become so dismayed and disheartened when things start to go south in their marriage. And they're thinking, what's going on? Why are we having problems? Well, let me just give you three reasons. There could be lots of reasons. Let me just give you three. Number one, we live in a fallen, sinful world. Number two, you and I, we have a fallen, sinful nature still inside of us. And then number three, we all have a fallen, spiritual enemy who hates our guts and wants nothing better than to destroy our marriages and our families. And so yes, there's gonna be, listen, we're on the front lines as we're walking through this fallen world. We're not in heaven yet. There's gonna be troubles sometimes in our marriage. Here's another verse to make that clear. Proverbs 14:4. Without oxen, stable stays clean. Right, who doesn't want a clean stable? 
but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. All right, so what does that verse mean? That verse means, here's the interpretation that I'll give one of the hundreds of applications. The interpretation is, if there's no ox around, the stable's gonna be clean. In other words, there's not gonna be any manure on the ground. But every farmer knows that in order to get the work done around the farm, in order to bring in the sheaves and the harvest, well, you need an ox. In other words, it's worth having the ox around even though that ox sometimes leaves a mess. Is there an application here for marriage? I think so. Here it is, if a woman wants a clean stable, she should stay single. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Life will be kind of easy, right? And by the way, some people have that gift. The Bible talks about the gift of being single. I'm not knocking that at all. For some people, that's what God's called you to do. Praise the Lord. But that lady should know that if she gets married, well, she should expect that things are sometimes gonna get messy. And yep, this couple is shoveling manure. And so the wife says, well, why are we having so many problems? Why is our marriage so messy? And I say, well, maybe, I don't know, but maybe you married an ox. Right? Here's the truth. Every single fallen man sometimes acts like a big ox. You know how I know that? Because I'm a fallen man. Every single, if we're honest before the Lord here, you'd have to admit that every single fallen man can be bullheaded and obstinate, right? But here's the truth, it's not just the man's fault because both the husband and the wife both are fallen human beings. What does that mean? That means that because we're fallen human beings, sometimes there's gonna be a mess, and sometimes it's gonna take some work in order to clean up the mess as depicted in this picture. The problem comes in marriages when couples don't wanna clean up the mess. The problem comes when they'd rather focus on the mess, when they'd rather pick it up and examine it and maybe goes to a counselor so you can keep bringing up the same thing. I'm not knocking counseling here, but some counseling goes way overboard. Let's examine the mess over and over. Let's look at it from a different angle. And what's really bad is when couples decide that we're gonna pick up the mess and when we're mad at each other, we're gonna start throwing it at one another. You see, that's a really big problem because the question is this. When a farmer goes into a stable and he sees that there's manure on the ground, what does that farmer do? Does he examine it? Does he pick it up? Or does he just get rid of it? He gets rid of it, why? Because it stinks. You know what the Apostle Paul said? In Philippians chapter three, verses 13 through 15, he says, one thing I do. Now when the Apostle Paul says one thing I do, I wanna listen with both ears. One thing I do. What's that, Paul? Forgetting what lies behind, right? Forget the mess. And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In the very next verse, he says, let those of us who are mature think in this way, and so couples, do yourselves a favor. Forget the mess, forget the past, leave the past in the past, and forgive each other, throw the mess away, and then strain forward to what lies ahead. What is that? An awesome, amazing marriage if you'll just let Jesus Christ be the center of your relationship. 
And I want you to look again at the second half of Proverbs 14, four. Without oxen, yep, a stable will stay clean. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. And so wives, as messy as we husbands can sometimes be, truth is you need us around. And every couple, if every couple at Calvary would just keep loving and forgiving each other, keep working on their marriage, keep allowing the S-O-N to shine his awesome light on our relationship, we will, not maybe, we will reap a bountiful harvest and we will have marriages that bear fruit and become a blessing to many, many people. So, that's the goal. Why, pastor? The kids. The kids. The kids. The precious, amazing little kids need to grow up with mom and dad loving each other, forgiving each other, working on their marriage where Christ is the center and where they can grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In our passage today, Peter, who by the way, is considered by some to be the first pope, and if you look around today, the pope of course and the priests are not married. Uh, I disagree, Peter was not the first pope and he was also married. So Peter, who was married and who had a lot of experience in marriage, under the inspiration of the Spirit, he gives us seven verses today about marriage. All right, so six verses are for the wives one verse is for the husbands. I'll let you guys come to your own conclusions about that as we go verse by verse. So right now, if you're looking at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, can you say amen? amen. And by the way, I just want to just let you know up front that our, our, much of our culture hates 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. But we're not to be conformed to this world. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. All right, so three points for the ladies today, three points for the guys. Point number one, ladies, accept the authority of your husband. Accept the authority of your husbands. Now before I get into this controversial subject, and by the way, you need to know I didn't write it, I'm just a messenger. But before we get into this controversial subject, I, I wanna tell you what I'm not saying. I am not saying, neither is Peter, and definitely God is not, that submission means that the wife is down here and the husband's up here. Okay, it's not saying that the wife is inferior to the husband. The wife and the husband are absolutely equal in value, and according to verse seven, they are heirs together of the gracious gift of life. When it comes to husbands and wives, you ought to remember this phrase right here. Same value, different roles. Same value, that means that both the husband and the wife were created in the awesome image of God. God looks at both the husband and the wife with equal value, but they have different roles. This is the complementarian position, which I believe is the biblical position, and that is that the husband is the leader and the wife completes him, helps him, and makes him whole. Thank God for our wives. Now you need to know that this order should not surprise any of us because every institution on the planet has an authority structure. 
Let me just think, through, think this through with me. The government has an authority structure. Your workplace tomorrow morning when you go to work has got an authority structure. And so does the local church, and so does the home. Why? Because if there's gonna be peace and harmony, and quite frankly, if there's gonna be productivity at a workplace, but nobody really has the final say, then what's gonna happen? They're always arguing, arguing, and there's gonna be no productivity, and guess what? That product, whatever the company is pushing forward, is gonna fail. It's the same principle no matter what institution that you're talking about. If there's gonna be peace and harmony, someone's gotta have the final say. Now, my wife and I, this June 10th, will celebrate our 32nd wedding anniversary. And here's what I know. Praise God. Here's what I know. In 32 years of marriage, my wife and I, we can count on two hands the number of times where I've had to make a final decision. Why? Because she's born again and I'm born again. Because she wants to be full of the Spirit, I want to be full of the Spirit. Because we talk things through and because um, we, we pray about things. But there are times when I have to make a final decision. In fact, just in this last week, I, we, we got to one of those places and I made the final decision. And what I love about my wife is she's like, okay. And so guys, you need to know that most Christian wives don't have a problem with submission. They just wanna be valued and loved. They wanna be valued enough to be heard and they wanna be loved enough to feel special, right? Listen and love, guys, listen and love every single day. Why should a husband listen to his wife? Because God has blessed your wife with so many unique gifts and insights and talents that you and I would be fools if we did not glean those gifts and that wisdom and those insights and talents from our wives. And why in the world should we love our wives, guys? Well, here's a good reason, because God commands us to. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. You know how much Christ loves the church? Man. Guys, that's the way we're supposed to love our wives. Paul wrote that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he wrote it down. The Holy Spirit moved him along like wind moves the sailboat. And so that's a commandment from God for us men. So guys, if you want your wife to have an easier time in this area of submission, listen to her and love her. Listen to her and love her every single day. If you do your part, it'll be easier for her to do her part and you will, not maybe, you will experience a joyful union. Now, ladies, what happens if your husband doesn't obey the Lord? Ladies, should your attitude be, well, I'll obey my husband or I'll submit to my husband whenever he gets around to submitting to Christ? Is that the attitude? Let's find out. Look at verse one. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they, who's that, the lost husband, may be one without a word, don't preach at them, by the conduct of their wives, where they see your respectful and pure conduct. And so whether or not your husband follows Jesus, ladies, you have to be subject to him. I'm just the messenger. Now, of course, because we interpret scripture with scripture, 
there is an exception to this. What's the exception? The exception is if your husband ever asks you to do something that contradicts the clear teaching of God's word. If that happens, then you have to, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, obey Acts 4.19, and that is that you have to obey God rather than man. But I wanna switch gears here, and I wanna let you know that from verse two, we see that some guys need a little help in order to give their lives to Jesus Christ. And Peter says, hey ladies, you can be that help in your husband's life. And so, how, how, how can I be that help? Well, the Lord says to Peter, you can be an example to him, and as you're being an example to him, I'll be working on his heart. So verse one, ladies, if, it's a big if, you're subject to him, and end of verse two, if you're respectful toward him, and you also um, are, are pure in your conduct, if you're not preaching at your husband, please don't preach at your husband. Please don't leave gospel tracts all around the place. You know, he goes to work and on lunch, he opens his lunchbox and there's a gospel track. And then he uh, sits down in his recliner and looks over on the table and there's a gospel track and he goes in the bathroom and guess what's on the toilet? A gospel track, all right? So tracks are great, but, but there's a right time and a place and it's gotta be bathed in prayer. Don't preach at your husband. But listen, if you'll do what Peter says in verses one and two, ladies, you might win your husband without a word. I'll never forget, I was there, I saw it with my own two eyes. Many years ago in a different church where I was an associate pastor, um, my wife was part of a women's Bible study in that church, and there was one lady in the Bible study, every single time, she would say, ladies, pray for my husband. She wouldn't give a reason why, just pray for my husband, pray for my husband. So they prayed for her husband. Well, come to find out, she was married to a man who didn't know Jesus Christ. In fact, he was a Jewish man. He did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. Pray for my husband, pray for my husband. They did that for the longest time. The wife, who by the way, definitely, because I knew her, um, definitely was this kind of woman that Peter's talking about in chapter three, verses one and two, she had been praying for her husband for years. And I'll never forget it, because I was there, and there wasn't a lot of dry eyes, I don't think, in the, in the service, but her husband came. He was sitting right about there, and the pastor gave an invitation, and this Jewish man got up, walked forward, and accepted Jesus as his Messiah and Lord. Why? Because his wife didn't preach at him, she has lived for the Lord in front of him and loved him and the Lord worked on his heart and he came around. There's, listen, there's always hope because the Lord is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Look now at verse three. So ladies, this is still for you. Do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of the hair, the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. Verse four, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. Okay, ladies, so accept the authority of your husband. And by the way, those numbers, if you're new to Calvary, at the end of the sentences are verses. So what we do in this church is we, we, we go verse by verse, right? And so we pull principles out of God's word. And listen, I'm not... I'm not say anything against topical messages, but 
But sometimes, okay, sometimes when churches choose every single week to do a topical message, it's because really, if the pastor's honest, he doesn't wanna deal with this kind of stuff. But you go verse to verse, you gotta deal with it. So accept the authority of your husband, but then number two, uh, ladies, focus on your, what kind of beauty? Inward beauty. This doesn't say don't focus on your outward beauty. What he's saying here is focus more on your inward beauty. Now, some legalistic churches will use verse three to teach that ladies should never style their hair, they should never wear jewelry, and some churches even go so far to say a woman should never wear makeup. Um, there's a problem with that interpretation. So I want you to look at verse three, and we'll go through it again. It says in verse three, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair. And legalistic churches will say, see? Women can't have a hairstyle. And the putting on of gold jewelry. And legalistic church says, see? You can't, ladies, you can't wear jewelry. Or the clothing you wear. And I guarantee you, no legalistic church says, see, women can't wear clothes. <laughs> you see that? Hey, if you're gonna teach something, you need to be consistent with the whole verse. So what's the truth? The truth is that Peter's not saying that women can't ever <laughs> style their hair or they can't wear jewelry, or they can't wear makeup, and he certainly wasn't saying they shouldn't wear clothes. Let's all keep our clothes on, right? So what is he saying? He's saying don't major on those things. Focus more on the inward than the outward. Why? Because they were surrounded by a culture just like we are. In the Roman Empire, there were so many women who were focused on fashion, and they were bent on their beauty, and they became obsessed with the big fancy hairstyles and the extravagant clothes and the expensive jewelry, right? And so why were they doing all that? Because they want, it's me, me, me. They want everybody to look at themselves, draw attention to themselves, and impress others. And thus, those women showed how superficial and empty they were. Just the opposite, look at the Proverbs 31 woman. Charm is deceitful, beauty's vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. There's some meaning there. There's some substance there, right? And so every, every lady in Calvary should read about the Proverbs 31 woman and you should ask the Lord to empower you to emulate her life. And every guy, guys, if you're married to a Proverbs 31 woman, today when you get home, you ought to fall down on your knees and thank God that he gave you a precious gift in your wife. Because listen, listen, it takes a special woman to be that. I am, I'll publicly say it again, this is the fourth time, four services, but I'm so grateful that the Lord led Stacy Martin into my life all those years ago. Um, he, he, here, here's a lady who is a giver and not a taker. Here's a lady that just serves the Lord and serves people, serves the Lord and serves people. And she's always putting herself, everybody who knows her, you know this is true, she's always putting herself last. And here's what she does, she goes to the Lord in the mornings, I see it every single morning, she's there with her Bible and her coffee. And what is she doing? She's allowing the Lord to fill her up so that she can have something to give to other people. And so that's what it's all about, whether you're a man or a woman. And so ladies, listen, um, when it comes to what's more important, inward beauty or outward beauty, just give it the 100 year test. 
in 100 years, what's really gonna matter? Big fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, extravagant clothes, or verse four, the inward beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. That kind of attitude, it says right there in black and white, is precious to God. I don't know about you, but his opinion is the only opinion that really matters, right? All right, look at verse five. It's still for you, ladies. <laughs> for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear. Don't fear anything that is frightening. All right, so here's the last point for the wives before we shift to the men, and that is, ladies, trust God and follow your husband's lead, verses five and six. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Faith. For those of you who are familiar with it, you know that that chapter is called the Hall of Faith because it's filled with a list of men and women, right, who trusted God despite their really difficult circumstances, the Hall of Faith. Well, guess what? Sarah, Abraham's wife, made the Hall of Faith. Her name is there in Hebrews chapter 11. Why? Because she did just that. She trusted God despite difficult circumstances. And one day, I'll just give you two examples. Abraham said to Sarah, and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but he's like, honey, uh, God's called us to leave our nation and our family and our friends. And um, we're supposed to leave. And she's like, well, sweetheart, where are we going? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> but the Lord said to go, and he said, go into a land that I'm gonna show you. So at some point, he's gonna show us. And, and she's probably like, so, so you're saying that we need to pack our bags and just, just leave everything? Yep. And Sarah's like, okay. And they took their venture of faith. And where did it lead? The promised land. And those of you who read the Old Testament, you know what it led to, blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. What if Sarah would have crossed her arms and said, are you a fool or what? I'm not going anywhere until you figure this out and give me all the details, and then I'm gonna leave my family and my friends. What if she would have had that attitude? She would have missed all those blessings that you read about in the book of Genesis. And so what's the point? The point is we're so grateful that Sarah trusted the Lord and she followed her husband's lead. There's another time when God told Abraham, hey Abraham, you and Sarah are gonna have a child. Even though you're 99 and she's 90, she's gonna get pregnant. You remember this story? And Sarah overhears it through the tent and what does she do? Laughs. By the way, they named her son Laughter, Isaac, later on. But she laughs, right? At first she doubts. She says in Genesis 18, 12, I'll, I'll quote it, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Right, she's just laughing, she's doubting. And so, and by the way, she called her husband Lord, which apparently was a cultural practice during that time. But she's like, us, pregnant? Sure, right. But then, she put away her doubts. How many of you guys are so glad that God's so patient with us? She put away her doubts 
and she came to a place where she trusted the Lord. And I want you to see what Hebrews says about Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Nothing is impossible with God. Even when she was past the age, since she considered God faithful who had promised. It goes on to say, therefore from one man, Abraham, and him as good as dead, he's 99, were born descendants. You see the blessing? Descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. What's the point? The point is because Sarah trusted God and followed her husband's lead, God richly blessed her. And wives, the point for us, for you specifically, is that if you'll do the same, God will richly bless you if you'll just follow her example. And I know some of you are thinking, does that mean I gotta call him Lord? Of course not. Master's fine. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move on really quick to the guys right here, okay? I'm just kidding. Cultural practice, okay? You, got, you guys got that part, right? All right. Guys, if you're looking at verse seven, say amen. All right, here we go. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. <laughs> I love Peter. Man, this guy is so practical, and he's married. He knows. Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as to the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. All right, guys, here's your first point. Number one, seek to understand your wife. Why? Because Peter just said it. <laughs> Live with your wives in an understanding way. Try to understand her. Why does he have to say this? Because men and women are so different. And so because of the differences in the sexes, there takes an attempt to understand something that you're really not grasping. But this is what we're got, guys, this is what we're called to do. And so um, in his book, If Only He Knew, Gary Smalley, who by the way is with the Lord now, and back in my counseling years when I was an associate pastor, care pastor, uh, I used to read his books, If Only He Knew, Gary Smalley, If Only She Knew, Gary Smalley, uh, written way back in the 80s, and I know I'm dating myself, but still good books. But in that book, If Only He Knew, uh, he quoted a famous psychiatrist. The psychiatrist said, and I quote, after 30 years of studying women, I still ask myself, what is it they really want? <laughs> he didn't know. Why? Because men and women are so different. There's many ways that they're different. I'm just gonna give you three. I'm gonna barely scratch the surface here. But generally speaking, men are goal-oriented. I'm not saying every single guy or every single woman, but generally speaking, men are goal-oriented, women are relationship-oriented. What does that mean? That means if a guy goes shopping, he's on a mission. What's the mission? He's the hunter. Whatever he needs is the prey. He's going in there, he's gonna find it, he's gonna kill it, he's gonna buy it, throw it over his shoulder, he's gonna leave that store victorious. What's his goal? Get in, yeah, someone said it, in and out as fast as possible. On the other hand, 
For most ladies, if she goes shopping, she's on a journey. <laughs> and she loves it when somebody will just go with her to experience the journey with her. And she goes from store to store and from clothes rack to clothes rack. And when she's finally done, hours later, you know what she wants to do? She wants to sit down, have coffee, and talk about the experience. <laughs> men, men, live with your wives in an understanding way. What does that mean? That means maybe this Saturday, you should leave your golf clubs in the garage and go shopping with her. Some of you guys are like, no way. <laughs> Somebody in first service actually shouted out, you know, she should go golfing with me. And so, hey, that's, that's okay. This one Saturday, guys, you go shopping with her, and then the next Saturday, ladies, go golfing with him, if that's your thing. But here's my point. If you have a day off, don't go and do your own thing. Don't separate your heirs together of the grace of life. Be best friends, do things together. Point number two, generally speaking, men wanna fix it, women wanna be heard. And so when a woman is sharing her problems with her husband, what does he often do? He goes into fix-it mode. He's like, honey, here's what you need to do. Number one, number two, number three. And he's, he's pouring out this wisdom. He expects his wife's face to light up and the angels to sing and for her to say, you are the most intelligent man in the whole world. But instead of that, guess what? She gets upset. Why? because she doesn't want him to fix it. She just wants to be heard. And she wants him to validate her feelings. And so guys, the next time that your wife tells you her problem, do this. Look at her in the eyes. Listen to her intently. And then when she's done, just give her a big hug. And say, honey, I'm so sorry you're going through this. That's it. No, one, two, three. Right, just, I'm so sorry you're going through this. I love you. Now guys, as you're holding her, don't expect it to go to the next level. <laughs> right? Some women are so shocked, they're like, I don't understand him. I don't understand how you know, he can just be turned on like that. I'm trying to share my problem, he wants to have sex. What's going on? <laughs> Here's what's going on, point number three. I learned this in those books back in the 80s and 90s, right? Men, generally speaking, are microwaves and women are crockpots. And so while the guy can get turned on like that, wives usually need a little time, right, to get into the mood. Guys, live with your wives in an understanding way. It's been said about the wife, all day is foreplay. What does that mean? That means that she needs to be cared for all day long. What does that mean? That means sometimes it's flowers, sometimes it's text with the little lovey-dovey emojis, sometimes it's long walks, sometimes it's deep conversation, sometimes it's acts of service, like putting gas in her car or making sure that the tires in her car, you'd be amazed. I mean, just like, bing, you just put air in her tires. So, so excited, right? She texts you for milk on the way home. Don't get upset, just go get the milk. Guys, listen, if Jesus said I come not to be served but to serve and give my life 
as a ransom for many, what's our problem? Why can't we just serve our wives? And so acts of service, gift giving, if that's her thing, you just learn whatever they've called in the past her love language and live with her in an understanding way. But there's more for us guys. Look at verse seven. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor. Can, you, can everybody say honor? So important. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Point number two for the men, strive to honor your wife. Strive to honor. Put her up on that pedestal. Honor your wife. Now when Peter talked about the wife being the weaker vessel, he was not talking about mental aptitude and he certainly wasn't talking about spiritual depth. Three things I know about me and Stacy. Number one, she's way smarter than I am. Number two, she's been walking with the Lord longer than I have been walking with the Lord. But then number three, if it came right down to it, I think I can beat her in an arm wrestling match. <laughs> Why? Because she's the weaker physically vessel. That's all Peter's saying here. And so when, when you think about this, think about the weaker vessel being that valuable, precious crystal vase. What does that mean, guys? Don't be a bull in a china shop. Don't be harsh to your wife. Don't demean your wife. Don't say angry words to your wife. Don't criticize your wife. Treat her like that priceless crystal vase. I remember I used to work uh, for years in my 20s at Costco. And I worked with all these guys at the depot down in Riviera Beach when it was in Riviera Beach. And you know how it is with guys. It's like football team or soccer team. And so all day long, we're just like joking about each other, slamming on each other, having fun with each other. And I'm in my 20s and I go home and I decide I'm gonna treat my wife that way. That lasted for one second. <laughs> Why? Because that's her. The guys at Costco were different. And our relationship as husband and wife is different. And so what do you do? You treat, guys, you treat your wife with the greatest admiration and the greatest care. I love what Martin Luther said. By the way, Martin Luther, very controversial figure in history, but absolutely a man of God that God used to change the world. And Martin Luther was married to Katharina von Bora, a former nun in the Catholic Church. She left it all and married Martin. And they had a great relationship, best friends. And Martin Luther said, let the wife make the husband glad to come home and let the husband make the wife sorry to see him leave. So guys, just ask yourself the question. When I go on those business trips, is my wife really sorry to see me leave? Here's what I know, if you've been loving her and honoring her and valuing her, yes, she's sorry to see you go. If not, if you've been harsh, mistreating her, critical, angry, yelling, please don't yell. Some of you guys grew up in homes. Yell, 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 yell. Listen, 
All that is manure that needs to be buried and put in the past, and you need to strive forward and make new memories in your new relationship. And so if you've been doing that, guys, then yeah, she's probably so, um, not so sorry to see you go. But you can change that through repentance and through getting things right with your wife. But we still have one more point for the guys in verse seven, so please look at seven. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Here it is, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. So here's the final point for the guys. Guys, enjoy the gift of life with her. I mean, I know I talk a lot about a fallen world and total depravity and all that stuff, but here's the, here's the truth. Man, the world is amazing. And our world still has a lot, has retained a lot of the beauty from the Garden of Eden. We live, and God's an amazing creator. So get out there and enjoy it with your wife. If guys, if you're gonna be best friends with your wife, you've got to spend time with her. You say, I'm busy. I'm busy. We're all busy. But, but here's the thing. And someday I'll just preach a whole sermon on this. I'm just gonna touch on it now. It's not in the notes, but I'm just gonna share it. Here's what your priorities should be. Number one, Jesus Christ. Nothing and no one's more important than him. Your relationship with him, number one. Number two, your spouse. Number three, your kids. You say, shouldn't my kids be even with my spouse? No, kids leave. Your spouse is with you the rest of your life. Jesus, spouse, kids, then your job. And then the local church. You say, shouldn't the local church be higher than my job? No, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Your job's important, you need to support your family. And so, Jesus, spouse, kids, job, local church, and yes, you should be committed to the local church, and then everything else after that. But she's number two. And so if she's gonna be your best friend, you can't be best friends with somebody if on your day off you're going in separate directions. So you gotta spend time with her. What does that mean? That means on a daily basis, even though you're busy, right? Just make that time. Just like you make time with Jesus, right? Make that time with your spouse. So maybe it's dinner, shut the TV off, and just look at each other and talk as you're eating, or maybe it's taking a cup of coffee on the front porch, whatever it might be. But, but just try to do that every single day. Connect. And then, at least once a week, go on date night. You say, I don't have a lot of money. You don't have to have a lot of money. Just go walk around the lake of tradition. My, 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 wife, my wife and I love to walk and talk, walk and talk, walk and talk. And we're best friends. And so go on date night. And then, I know a lot of you work um, six days a week, or maybe you work five, and then one day is like get all the stuff done. But, but listen, listen. The Sabbath is not a law from the Old Testament. We're under grace. We're not under the law. But it's still a great principle. Take that Sabbath day off and spend that day with your best friend and do fun things and decompress and enjoy life, the gracious gift of life with your spouse. Maybe that's going to the beach. Maybe that's biking. I don't know. I don't know you, but just do those things that you love to do, that you love to have fun um, doing and then plan a vacation at least every year. You say, I don't have any money. Listen, most of America comes here on vacation. So have a staycation and just do fun stuff around the Treasure Coast or whatever. Now, why is all this important? 
Because the end of verse seven, guys, look at this. You gotta live with your wife in an understanding way. You gotta show honor to your wife and you need to spend time with her as heirs of the grace of life. Why? End of verse seven, here it is. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Wow. Here's the truth. Guys, if you're not right with your wife, you are not right with God. And so what does this take? This takes a humble heart. You know, this kind of shield up, you're just gonna be miserable the rest of your life. But if you'll, you, do you know when revival comes to churches? It's when people confess their sin and repent of it and ask God to fill them with the Holy Spirit. Do you know when revival comes to marriages? When men and women confess their sins, ask um, for forgiveness, and then ask the Holy Spirit to fill them and be heirs together of the grace of life. This takes a humble heart. And so here's what I know, that, that some of you need to go home and husbands and wives, and you just need to talk this afternoon. Now, if you're with me, say amen here. Don't let it turn into World War III. Don't pick up that manure and start throwing it. Don't do that. But just humble your hearts. Confess your sins to each other. Kiss and make up if you need to kiss and make up. Pray together, guys, you're the leader. Pray with your wife. Get things right, let revival come. Why, why is this so important? I, I, I get emotional. It's the kids. They need to grow up in a home where they're raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that they can grow up and do the same thing. Don't let the enemy win. Ladies, you do your part, one through six. Guys, you do your part, verse seven. And it's not maybe, it's you will have a joyful union. Amen? Amen.